Alfie's back. Alfie's back. Alfie's back. Alfie is fucking back by order of the Peaky Blinders. Welcome into our podcast, breaking down every single episode of the 1920s family gang drama. Fresh, and it could not be more fresh for Josh and I. I'm your host, Daniel Gilman. And I'm Josh Levy. This is the season finale of season five, episode six, entitled Mr. Jones. And we'll, we'll, we'll see why in a little bit. But Daniel, man... It really cleaned up itself at the end. What do you think? I thought it was I thought it was the most disappointing season finale of the of the five, but I thought the last ten minutes were peak peaky blinders. You know, no pun intended. I thought I thought Stephen Knight had us at the edge of our seats, and I think if they ended it before that walk into the haze, I think a lot of people would be disappointed, including myself. But the uh, the similarities at the end with Tommy and his mom and his grandpa made that scene with Charlie so powerful and it was just Alfie made the episode no Alfie and I'm, I'm putting this in like the sevens but it got like a I'll give it like a strong eight 8.7 8.8 episode for me oh man it's just it was one of the few season finales Josh where we didn't get a happy ending it was oh man I have so many emotions about that final scene those final 10 minutes with uh with with the breathing sounds and the very haunting music that was haunting at the end, and, you know, I thought that we were gonna have the first episode of a of a of a no grace flashback or a, a, a grace vision, and su- sure enough, we got Grace telling Tommy basically, come come home, it's all done, Shh, pull the trigger, and we and we get the end of the episode with Tommy pointing the gun at his head and yelling at himself, you know, drawing parallels to that very important conversation with Charlie. Um, talking about how his family, his mother and his grandfather have gone out that way. Stephen Knight opens the door for next season for so many things to happen. And you were texting me as that final scene was going on. You said, don't do it, Stephen. Don't do it, Stephen. And I was like, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And he did it. (laughs) We have to wait a whole other fucking year for this. And as much as I love him, I'm frustrated. Luckily, it's not like two years, you know, from four to five. Was it was a two year from 2017 to 2019 break? This one not not as bad. I I heard they're they're filming already. They're starting filming, so I assume it'll be ready by around this time next year. And if you're if you're new to the podcast, go ahead and like us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash peaky podcast. Follow us on Twitter at by order of peaky. Subscribe, follow, tell one person who you think would love this show or does love this show and hasn't heard me and Josh break it down. There really aren't a lot of Peaky Podcasts out there, so we appreciate you guys listening to ours. And feedback, Josh. We gotta, I got to get some feedback out of the way because we've got so many great fans that are tweeting at us, emailing us, commenting on Facebook. Claire is tweeting, and, and she loves the podcast. She, she smashes our podcast during 5Ks. Oh, wow. That's her go-to. Impressive. So there you go. <laughs> if you're listening to this while you're running, Claire, we appreciate you. We've got a couple posts about Oswald and now we can talk about it spoiler free because Matt and Carol have talked about how Oswald Mosley didn't die in real life this way so you Matt can't see him get assassinated and Carol kind of brings that up saying what do you fellas think about the real life fact that Mosley lived until 1980 and the Brits didn't jail him until 1940 and if we're being honest right when I read that from Carol last week I kind of knew 
Stephen Knight's been pretty accurate in his historical fiction depiction. And Carol says, either way, I'm worried about the Shelbys. Do you think history will be rewritten? I'm thinking the black cat catching some songbirds. That's what Carol said. So we appreciate you guys there. And I don't know. And Matt, Matt also mentioned something about comparing Karl Marx with Hitler. And I think there were a lot of Hitler references in this episode with Oswald Mosley, especially doing the salute and being so anti-Jewish. Super bone chilling to see him paralleled to Hitler with, you know, putting his arm out, saluting, saying Paris Judah, which we I would have to guess means you mean death to the Jews, kill the Jews, you know. Judah Judah was what what was sewn onto the Jews uh clothing during the Holocaust on their on their arms engraved into the yellow star and perish. I mean perish means just to die. So I would have to say that it means kill the Jews and so it's 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 more and more Hitler every single episode. Even like the logo and like the the attire and the way he speaks. You said he sounded he sounds German and he kind of does at times, and he is the, the reincarnation of Adolf Hitler in this story and in this plot. And it's it was freak it was freaky man. He's got all these supporters behind him, and you thought he was never gonna go. So you you were on the same side as 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 our fans and. I thought it was going to get done, and unfortunately it didn't. Oh, poor Barney. Barney gets ugh, gets fucked by Finn. Fucking big mouth Finn. Ship him off to oh America. Let God. him go with Michael and Gina. There's so much on this episode. I got a couple more things of feedback. Keith, a friend from the States, says, I just recently started listening to your podcast, and I've been going to the old ones and checking out the instant reactions as well. One standout quote for Keith was... Uh, Tommy talking to Barney and offering him a chance to kill himself, especially being stuck in confinement. We didn't really t touch too much on this scene last last week. Tommy's asked him why he said no, and Barney said there's a chance it could get better. And uh, Keith thought it was a cliche line. And Stephen Knight, as cliche as it was, Stephen Knight did a good job making it seem powerful as he looks forward to the finale. And Keith, what do you think about the finale? Carol, Matt, I mean, everyone, Claire, what do you guys think about the finale? Because... Josh, what's your score, 1 through 10? I honestly, before the final 10 minutes, would have given this episode a 6.5. And I think just in the 10 minutes, the intensity and the and what makes Peaky so great with not expecting things to happen the way that they do, I'm going to go ahead and give it like a, an 8.9. I think it was very deserving of that. IMDb went ahead and gave it a 9.4, which I thought you know was a solid score, but... I mean, that's putting in, like, top five, top ten episode territory of the show, and I simply just do not agree with that. And not to say that it wasn't a great episode. A lot episode. of recency right. bias. Oh, 100%. A lot of recency bias. Like, you know, if you if if you take, you know, episode, like, the this finale and the final ten minutes individually by itself, phenomenal ten minutes of television, but I, I just wish we had more of that intensity going on in the first, you know, 45 minutes of the episode. That's just me. I was expecting fireworks, and we didn't get fireworks until the end. Right, and Josh and I, we have a lot of fun. We watch it separately, and we, we try to synchronize it so we can text each other throughout. And I, I, need, I need time to let this sink in because Josh and I finished it 10 minutes ago, and I'm really excited. I hope you guys can, can kind of be a part of our rewatch with us because in a few weeks when it comes out in America, we're going to be doing another set of podcasts just for Season 5 that go over the episode with a little bit more detail for the first, you know, 80% of it. And then we're going to have a section at the end for kind of spoiler looking back. So it's very interesting to now look back at that Black Cat episode where we just got introduced to Billy, the dude that's going to be, you know, throwing these races. 
and, and and these football games and Tommy, his dream and dreams just happen to be so big. And I can't wait to kind of go over those with the mindset, knowing now that it's going to be, it's going to be this Billy guy, this dude that, that we see for one minute, every episode that, that ruins the whole thing. Or is it, or, or is it Michael or is it Gina? I mean, I, we still don't a hundred percent know who the black cat was, but we can kind of tell what that scene with Finn, unless it was a, uh, unless it was a red herring, we can kind of tell what that scene with Finn, that that's, that's what it is. Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm gonna go out and say it's not a red herring. There's no, there's no reason to have that character in the show for such a minor thing. Like I know they introduced him. They they introduced him in the beginning as being the guy who was gonna help facilitate them get some money back. You know that Michael lost in America, and so that's what that's what we thought originally. He was that was his role, and that it wasn't gonna be a big deal. The second he reint he gets reintroduced and he starts to play a little more of a focal po- a point in a very important episode. A season finale when you have six episodes and only an hour hour time, I knew it was bad news, and I told you. I go, Billy is the black cat. I was yeah, like, Josh, boom. Josh called it. I, I actually have been going with a popular Reddit theory for a couple weeks that I thought Esme was going to come out of nowhere because still there's no explanation, Josh. for Billy could not have known where Abrahama Gold was being camped and how his son was killed. So someone still must have had to leak that to the Billy boys. So that's just something, you know, we're going to have to put on hold till next season. Do you have any comments about that? Well, d- you know, when Mickey came into the garrison and they kind of were like, oh, you're selling your stories for anyone that comes in here and all this stuff. I thought that maybe Mickey was played, played a role in being a black cat. And, and arguably he could have, cause he's all, he's just there. And like the, they might, might've overheard something or someone could have bribed him, paid him off. So I thought that that was going to lead to that. maybe, but, uh, I don't know. I, it's 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 something that's still left in the air, and that I wish we had more clarity on. But I would have to say that for this specific instance, that Billy is the black cat for you know revealing where Oswald Mosley, you know the the plan of getting him killed because, God damn it, Finn, it's so frustrating. Like just Arthur literally told him earlier in the episode, and he went against what he said, and it's like the tenth time that Arthur has seen something from like a hundred miles away. He's he's called it every time. Yep, and and you know what? Those are the first two scenes. We could talk about those first before we get into my favorite character in TV show history because the episode starts with Winston Churchill having a conversation with Tommy and talking about what we like to talk about. Tommy prefers Irish over Scotch. And then we find out that Winston Churchill is also anti-Oswald Mosley and basically lays out how to kill the weeds, how Tommy should do it, how Tommy's been underground while Winston's overground and how it's the same thing now. And I love the the line when when Winston kind of asks him about his mom and his grandfather and then kind of goes, oh, so from a tent to a boat to a house to a mansion, look where you are now, Thomas Shelby. And then he talks about wanting to dine or ha- have an evening with the Shelby family because they're super yeah, interesting. When, when, he finds <laughs> out, when he finds out it was the aunt that killed Campbell. Yeah, and it's... And it's it's kind of it shows now even further how how little Winston Churchill gave a shit about Campbell. He didn't even know his name, which I, I found hilarious. <laughs> didn't even remember. So that was that was really. It good. just shows even further. I love how they always bring up you know things from the show's past because a lot of shows will kind of move on and never mention things that happened in the beginning. So it's just a further reminder, as I've said all all this long, that where we started with Campbell and where we are now. And it's just a furtherance of the progression of all these storylines and all these characters. And it's just a, a further reminder of Tommy's development. And Tommy is spiraling a little bit, man. It's just really, really tough to watch. And 
Churchill's crazy. He's a savage. He really is a savage. You know, getting his hands dirty all the time and not really giving a shit. And he likes Tommy Shelby. He really admires him. Oh, he says he likes the way he talks, even though he knows that Tommy doesn't believe a word of it. And Tommy, you know, he, he has a good line about, you know, emotions, pre, you know, preaching different things and how none of it even matters. And then we find out later but from Oswald during his speech that Winston is condemning him in the House. So it's like Winston's not quiet about it. He's going to go through it politically and he wants Tommy to carry out the assassination and then right into a little bit of skiing from Finn Shelby as he's doing some uh, some Tokyo with our boy Billy and Arthur comes in to scold him and that this is where it's like, God, in the rewatch, it's, you're just going to be clenching your fi- your freaking teeth. Yeah, and I mean, Arthur's also going off the rails with the Tokyo, kind of going off of his frustration with the whole Linda situation and... Uh, when Michael gives his speech about, you know, Arthur, you can show what kind of man you are for Linda. He's like, fuck Linda. Yeah, that was a great little side yeah. note. <laughs> so, like, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy he's moved on from Linda. Hopefully she can be in the back burner for good and we don't have to deal with her because she's annoying as shit. But it's on the rewatch, it's going to be super frustrating to see this because it's like, Finn, guy, come on, guy. Like, he just told you to not do that. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Like, oh. And now R.I.P. Barney. Barney is dead, unfortunately, after breaking Charlie Strong's leg, which I thought was kind of funny, and having his own little Danny Wizbang moment and also shooting a perfect bullseye. You know he would have just taken out. I thought, you know what, we'll save it for nitpicks. I they just they took too long. Like I feel I like know, he could have shot him I an know. hour earlier, but Tommy Tommy took out the watch and then counted down from ten, which was maybe the best ten seconds in Peaky Blinders history. It was and we heard we had like the the breathing and then we heard heartbeat heartbeats. And I started getting real nervous here. I I did not think, I did not know to be honest if he was gonna pull the trigger. When I watch it again, I'll probably be like, oh, it was obvious that he wasn't gonna pull the trigger. But God, yeah, I, I had a feeling. Just so frustrating. He could have pulled the trigger at any moment. He had it. He had it lined up, and he was waiting for what? I don't know. We and we we never will know. So R.I.P. Barney. R.I.P. to a real one in Abraham Gold. Just when I was getting his name right. We lose him, and they couldn't even give him Josh. They couldn't even give him the revenge, the revenge that he could have gotten on Jimmy, and now Jimmy gets to live, and Oswald gets to live, and there are so many openings into next season. But you know what? Who's living and who just everyone is ecstatic about? Cyril's owner, Alfie, is motherfucking back. And Alfie's back, baby. And his first line is, "Life is so much easier to deal with when you are dead." It's it's just a it's just a great scene in general. With a lot of great Alfie lines, and he, and you can kind of see, you know, he talks about himself as being, you know, I'm a god now, you know, just it's just, it's just I, so funny, and he's like, he's like, it's it's this perfect Alfie. He's got his his doesn't have half of his face. It seems like his his eyes is gone. I don't know how he survived. <laughs> we never will know because now Tommy's getting up there with uh, being really good at. Really good at not at really good at leaving people alive after he shoots them. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've always been. You know me. I've I to be honest, I have always been on the Alfie is still alive. It grazed his eye. Like that is not a kill shot. And even Alfie made fun of him. He's like, dude, was your head somewhere else when you when you shot me? And Tommy's like, yeah, it was. And it's so funny how if we find out that how Tommy finds out that Alfie's still alive because Alfie finally just fucking writes him a letter asking about the dog. It always comes down to the doggo, and that's a little bit of fan service, but I love it. Cyril, man, <laughs> it was part of the, the uh, negotiation tactic by uh, Alfie to get more money. And 
I I always love Alfie's roles and all of Tommy's wants and needs. You know, he just wants Alfie to have his men start a riot at the at the at the speech. Alfie doesn't really have to do anything, and he lists, he's he's listening in whenever you want, Tommy. He tells him whenever like whenever you want to go. Yeah, whenever you're ready, yeah. and he's he's talking about how it, it's like almost the opposite. The dog, he's like, "Do you take care of my dog?" He's like, "Yes." I'm like, okay, you don't have to pay as much money. It was like <laughs> because he took care, and it, it's like even even the the worst people in the world, and these guys, and I'll talk about it in a little bit. I'm really not feeling this opioid selling phase of the Peaky Blinders because I am just not a fan of pushing opioids. It's just it's just a killer, like heroin. Uh, it's just it's just these people are really bad. They're just gonna kill so many people. It's just. It's not uh, Michael. Michael went on my my hate list in this episode. He was so dumb he, and he, ignorant. It's he took like he took a fucking turn. And what is he gonna do? All he wants to do is make money by becoming now just a drug dealer. They have never really been drug dealers. They have never like killed other people because taking money from them because they want to bet is different than forcing them to get addicted to heroin and then watching them die because of it. Because that's just there's just a, such an epidemic. And Purdue Pharma has gotten bankrupt because of it. And because of all the people that are suing them, it's just fucking, fucking pisses me off. I, I do like how, how he considers himself to be a god, Alfie. And then he talks about how in his, in his homeland, they made him a, they made him a statue and he's considering a pilgrimage yeah, as he, yeah. as he gets, gets ready to shoot Tommy, but he can't shoot it's, Tommy. It's, it's a wonderful little uh, monologue he goes on. He says, since my resurrection, I'm considered to be a god. In the Holy Land, someone has made me an image out of me, out of rock embedded in the sand. So I am told I'm going to make a pilgrimage standing on my own shadow. Are you going to shoot him because this man is evil? And he's kind of like, he, like it's it's like therapy for Tommy in a way. Because he, he provides that, that comedic element. It's kind of like reminds Tommy of like f- be- much better times, I think, than than where he is now. And, you know, Alfie does his thing where he, he, he throws jabs a little bit at Tommy too, you know, telling him like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to go to the shithole that is Birmingham, so he raises right. the price. Right, exactly. And he's he's insulted by the initial price, and he's like, "Toby, as a god, I am able to rise above all those insults." <laughs> <laughs> and, he's like, and then they settle with ten, and then he goes, "How's my dog?" And so it's just a great conversation, very serious but also very funny at the same time. And Tommy needs Alfie yet again, and it was nice to see it. And then here we go. How do you take his dream? Of Tommy with a black horse in a field saying goodbye and then bang. Because I could think of two things now that, you know, when I'm going back through it. And there was the open to the season when Tommy is in a field with a black horse and he says goodbye and then he shoots the horse. But he also wants to kill himself. Right. And then at the very end of this episode, right. he's standing in a field. With a black horse. There was a black horse oh, in the there distance. You go. When there's you go back and horse. watch it, when Grace is standing there, you could see a black horse like in the fog. I saw that. I noticed that. And now that you brought up that dream, it makes sense that kind of Alfie saw. It's just a little forewarning to He's that. A God. Season. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's just insane. And it ends with a bang. And so that's that bang that we don't know if it ends or not. If Tommy pulls that trigger, I mean, I highly doubt he actually pulls the trigger and he's going to not shoot himself. But he's getting as close as, we, as we've ever seen him to uh, actually pulling the trigger and jumping the gun. 33 minutes until we saw Alfie. And it was a lot longer till we saw Ada at the end. And we'll talk more about Ada and his ch- and her child. But first, let's go right into the scene when when everything happens with Michael. And so we're having a family meeting. And first of all, there's a lot of people in this family meeting. Gina's there. Michael's there. Jeremiah's there. Abraham's there. Lizzie's not. Because Charles, 
he really has to work on his violins, I guess. And he had a violin concert, a violin recital. Holly did give a really weird look there. It's almost like, yeah, right. Like Tommy and Lizzie maybe are, are not in a great place. Yeah, it was interesting to see all the characters at the family meeting. Abarama is now part of the family, and we got a couple. Uh, welcome to the family. Yeah, and we got a couple. You know, welcome to the family, Abaramas. Yeah, he's dead. And now that we watch it, you know, once we watch it again, we'll know they kept on introducing those lines in before we knew what happened. So it's just great to see that from uh, Stephen Knight throwing those little. Oh, we're all happy that uh, that uh, Abarama's in the family now. You know, he's here to stay. We're good. And then boom, he's gone. Uh, I originally thought that he killed Billy. Uh, uh, Jimmy McCavern. I thought I thought he killed him, and I couldn't tell because it was so dark, and he was the one who was on the on the, on the wrong end of that. So, R.I.P. to uh, Abarama, man. There's not yeah. a lot of people left. And Polly quits, and it's just lining up for Polly to be one of like the antagonists of next season. Is it going to be Polly and Michael and Gina against Tommy? Is Arthur going to be on Tommy's side? What it's going to be interesting next season because there's no way that Polly's a fan of her uh, fiance dying. But, but as I- I mean, okay. So, like, I'm also, conf- I'm also like frustrated, and confused with this with Polly's episode because she clearly was angry at Michael for this. She slaps, she slaps him. him in the face, and then she ends up doing exactly what he wanted her to do. So it kind of doesn't make sense. Is she on the right side, or was she offended by Arthur asking her which side she was on? No, I think she just was mad at her son for making this a public spectacle because she said, "Michael, we can talk about this That's outside true. of it." I think if it was just her, Michael, and Tommy, it's a different conversation. So Tommy is about to talk about what's going to happen with Michael. And all of a sudden, this fucking pretentious dirt jerk who I have been so team Michael since the beginning. All I wanted was to him to turn back and be the nice guy that he was like such a loyal servant of Tommy. And he was going to wait his turn and no, Gina has corrupted him. Michael wants more of a cut. He wants to expand from $2 million to $25 million going to the United States. You can see Finn. Finn's like, oh, fuck. And Michael even involves Finn. He's like, Finn, you're the new revolution. You're the new generation. This episode kind of shows that maybe youth is a little bit of ignorance (laughs) because the younger people make some big mistakes. Uh, He wants to change Tommy's name because, to be honest, nobody in America wants to make deals with old-fashioned backstreet razor gangs. And he wants Tommy to be known as Mr. Jones. And the second he says that, I'm like, Tommy Shelby is Tommy Shelby. You cannot take away his name. It is his fucking legacy. So he throws away the the, the the proposal and tells Grace to go give regards to her family. Yeah, and he's like, item number three. Like, like yeah, like fuck next, off. Next, next, order yeah, of next order of business in this meeting. And throws it in the fire, and it's great. And Gina, like, I'm, I'm just like, I don't know what they thought was going to happen. No, I think Gina wanted this, and I'll talk about it more. No, yeah, no, 100%. They wanted they wanted to kind of expose him and get him frustrated and get under his skin. But, like, it's just frustrating. Like, no one was going to ever accept this, you know, this restructuring. So I just – I don't see what the end goal is, you know, going into next season because they knew it wasn't going to happen. You have an idea. But a little frustrating on that end with that storyline. We, once again, barely saw him – even though he did have an impactful role in this episode and in this season, in this season, we barely saw him again. We saw him for a good five minutes, so I was a little uh, upset with that. I thought we were going to get more development on that end. So yeah, it was not a great season for Finn Cole from a uh, from a viewership aspect to fans of him. As like like I like to see him on screen, and I think his. His character is, is developing, and I think it just took a big step back. But what it did is it set it up because then Gina says, looks like we're going to go with the second option. 
And, uh, you know, I think it just leads right into next season. I don't really want to get too predicty, but I think Gina's family is going to have a big impact. I think next season might even take place in America because I feel like Michael and Gina, there's no reason for them to stay in, in England. They're probably going to go back and work out something with Gina's family, who I assume is someone important for Tommy to even know who her family is because it would make no other sense for Tommy to say, Gina, tell your family. Like, that That just doesn't mean anything unless her family is important people. And, and so she... In, in that whole scene, we also heard more Anna Calvi breathing, and Anna Calvi has had a big part. She's basically been like the music and the, the musical composer of this season. And at the very last scene, we get a callback. How about that? From season five, episode two, Pappy Pacify plays, and once again, it plays again. It, do you remember when he was dealing with the minefields? We heard Pappy Pacify. Right, right. Yeah, definitely. And it happens again in Tommy's final scene of this season. So I think. I don't know. I, I like her breathing. I really like that addition. I heard an interview where she talks about it, and it was kind of just a spur-of-the-moment idea to have her breathe and then just add it to the soundtrack. It's, it's haunting. Like, it's very haunting. I don't know if, if we have any peaky heads out there that watch Dark, or did you watch Dark? I got into it, and it was just too confusing for me. Well, I mean, phenomenal show. I highly recommend it. It's a German, very, very crazy show. But in a lot of the scenes, a lot of the times, they have that breathing and, like, heavy, you know, quickness, quick, short breaths, and it makes it very, very scary and haunting. So we kind of felt that, and then we heard heartbeats, and so that was a great addition. If that's spare in the moment, that's just a great little uh, nuance to add in there. But uh, it was it was scary at the end there, man, and it's, it's, it's crazy that, you know, we have to wait so long. But as I said before, season, you know, ep- season five was just a complete setup season, you know, when we, when we look back on it. So just kind of, you know, very curious to see where this story, you know, takes off, where we go next year, what happens with Oswald Mosley, what happens with Gina and Michael, what happens with Polly, you know, what happens with, it's, there's just so many unknowns and it's not, it's the first time in a while that we don't have any closure towards, you know, a storyline. Every single season, the villain, you know, kind of dies. Every season, it sets up the next, it's a happy ending. As you said, this is the first kind of non-happy ending. And so I'm sitting here fresh off the episode kind of rambling because I just I'm, I'm so curious as to what's going to happen and we're, this is the first time that I you know not watching on Netflix and watching it live that I actually have to wait so damn long for it yep and it's I'm trying to just gather my thoughts and before we really do a deep dive into the final 10 minutes I guess we can clean up some of the other things that happen in this in this episode where Barney kind of pulls a Danny whiz bang and and goes a little crazy and I thought Barney's arc was uh was good i liked it you know a lot of people maybe wanted more of him right but it was a nice a little bit of comedic relief a little bit of reminder that the show is a lot about reacting from war and ptsd and i guess charlie i mean there were a lot of cops involved so i'm assuming that charlie got away with sailing that opium down the cut which is what tommy was that was that was you know the next the next uh, part of his of his meeting and then the item four was the fire and I wrote you and I said, item four, involving a fire. Oh my God, is it going to, you know, are we going to wait for this for a while? No, right away we find out. And I, this might be the first time that Tommy's killed someone in a while. Because he shoots Mickey right in the head and snitches get stitches, Josh. It was, it was intense. And then I, I, I couldn't catch what he said to Arthur. He's like, is this, is this, is this the, the hand of a, of a, is this a hand of a normal man? Because it wasn't shaking. No, it was shaking. It was, it was shaking. Like not... It was shaking heavily, and he said, "Shake right. my hand, Arthur. Is this the hand of a normal man?" Yeah, that was that was very powerful. And Arthur breaks down, and he's like, 
I, this was a little weird. He's like, Tommy, is there an item five? Is there an item five? Tommy, Tommy, is there a fucking item five? Wow. And, and Tommy's like, no, there's no item. I think Arthur just wants to know what's next. Like, was there a plan after that? Or was that just a pure gut instinct of Tommy to just kill this guy? And Arthur wants to get out of this line of work. And it makes me think maybe he's even going to be on Michael's side next season. Because he says, you know, he asked Polly what side she's on. I think maybe he's trying to take a temperature and try to find out who the winner is going to be. Because it sounds like he wants to get out of this business. And then Arthur does kill someone in the final scene. Might be the first two kills of the two Shelby brothers this whole season, right? Except for when Arthur went full Rambo. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, what, with, with the uh, Quaker? No, no, when he fucking has the machine gun and he says, I'm oh, a soldier yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, Because he doesn't true. kill the Quaker. Yeah, no, that was, I mean, Tommy has wanted to get out of the sporting business for quite a while. And he had to get involved in it again. And we saw how it, how he reacted and how how it shook him to the core a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, he shoots him right in the head, from the bottom of the head, boom, through the neck. And I thought the most important, you know, important line was was at the end is when, when Tommy says, did I, basically, like, did I find the guy that I can't beat? Like, is Oswald Mosley my maker? And it, it I don't know. I really don't know. Like, Tommy is having a very tough time undermining him. And, and Grace says, the work is all done. We can walk away from all of this. It's such a small change. And that's when Tommy just throws the gun up to his head. But let's talk about the second most impactful scene of this episode. And it's right after that little, you know, scene with, uh, with Whizbang towards the middle. And Ballad of a Thin Man by Richard Haley starts to play. And we see a kid answering a phone. And it's Carl. We Carl. see Carl. For one second, we see Carl for one second in the middle and one second at the end listening with his mom as everyone's listening in to the speech. Polly's listening, Alfie's listening, Ada's listening, Charlie's listening. And then we see another phone ring and it's Finn and he's laying with some gorgeous girl sleeping, doesn't answer the phone. And then another phone, and this is just Tommy needing a friend. And another one rings and it's the garrison and no one answers. And then finally his his final, uh, his backup plan is to just go talk to his uncle Charlie at the docks, which ends up being... The most important, probably the most important scene of the series, just to, to create a background on him and finally learn about his king grandfather and his, I guess, crazy mom. That all Tommy knew is he she drowned, but it turns out that she didn't just kill herself. Her and her dad killed herself, and she brought a little toy with her on the way back from Worcester. Yeah, and he tells her, you know, you want to know the truth? Like, you know, he was expecting some crazy story, and he's like, she walked into the she walked into the canal. That's it. Your dad was of no use. It was me trying to stop her for three days, and in the end, she did it anyways. And Tommy's like, did she say why? And he said, she said nothing that made sense. And Tommy kind of is like, tell me what she said. I want to know more. And she goes on and on, and, you know, she came back with a white pony, and she goes on about how gypsies are cursed and how, you know, they built the nails that were nailed into the cross that Jesus Christ was crucified on and how they've been cursed ever since then. And we, we, we get that very important backstory of Tommy's, you know, family history with suicide and showing all this time why he's, you know, it's, it's genetic for them. These, these gypsies have magic, you know, shaken in their core, you know, in their blood. And, you know, committing suicide is not a genetic trait, but for the Shelbys, it really is something that, that they are cursed. And for once, we kind of see Charlie have emotion and we see he was in love with her, with 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 uh, Tommy's mother, and he was he was shaken to the core. And we saw that he did not like telling the story, and Tommy made him anyways. But it was important. 
and the the white horse, which you uh, you know so much about, and we've talked yeah. about it in Game of Thrones too, is just it's just so significant. And I think more than just suicide being, it doesn't run in the family. But I am so confident that Tommy's mom also saw people, and Tommy's grandfather right. also saw people, and that could be something that could be genetic, kind of losing your mind there. And obviously at the end with Grace. And here we go. We, let's talk about it. You know, we we know there's there's 11 minutes left in the episode, Josh, and the music kind of starts to go, and the Hitler salutes raining around. Creepy, man. And R. Oswald is fucking some girl in the dressing room while he watches himself, and that's when Finn tells Billy and gives him a, a wad of cash, and that's when everything, for me, everything clicks. And I said, okay, this is it. There's no way it can, it's, it's over. You know, ta- Josh was right. Billy's the black cat, or some version of it, and Oswald will not be dying today. He did not die in real life for another 50 years. Stephen Knight's going to keep that going. And the only question for me, to be honest, is will Oswald mostly be a recurring character? Or will it now focus just purely on the Shelby family fight? Or will Tommy continue to be wrapped into Oswald's battle of fascism? It's It was such a question mark. And I don't know if you noticed all the camera angles. We, we, we got camera angles from behind the stage. We got camera angles from the, you know, the post that Barney has camped out on. We have that, like that that spotlight that's kind of blinding us from seeing if Barney is you know going to shoot so I didn't know if a, if a, if a shot was going to come out out of nowhere we saw you know Mosley up front we saw him from the bottom of the stage so it was just it was a lot of chaos going on we have Jesse Eden that's you know Jesse Eden comes back which was important because she wants to know what the hell was going on and Tommy puts her in some back room the same back room that Mosley was fooking in yeah and and I want I've been waiting to add this Jesse Eden it turns out was a real-life Brummy heroine in the fight for equal pay. She led the 1926 general strike, thousands of women from the Lucas factory out on strike. And so I like that, too, more historical fiction from from Stephen Knight, and that was cool. And we hadn't seen Jesse Eden in a while. Obviously, she doesn't really like Tommy. After kind of finding out, I'm sure she found out that Tommy just kind of fucked her to use her and then hadn't really... He hasn't really turned on her at all because Ben Younger mentioned that... He hasn't gotten any updates about the communists, but he also, ha- I'm sure, hasn't kept up his love with her after in the, was it in the opening or was it in last season's finale when she saw Lizzie by the side of Tommy when he was, you know, accepting his MP um, honor? Yeah, that was that was at the end of last season, and I did not think that she was going to be, you know, in the fold again, but here she is, you know, causing a riot, causing a ruckus, you know, spewing her, I, I literally wrote, Jesse Eden, and she's back on her fuck shit. Like <laughs> she said, at least I have only one face to Tommy. Yeah, yeah. She knows she's 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 she's. That's crazy. my line of the episode. And uh, there's also you know that that's that you know salute and perish. That was a weird scene with Jimmy and Oswald because you could tell that Jimmy McCavern wasn't too comfortable around Oswald Mosley either. He didn't even want to salute him. He kind of laughed, and Oswald said, "This is no laughing matter," and forces him to salute him and say, "Perish Judah." And that's when we get to. Alfie listening on the news, everyone listening on the news. Um, Never Fight a Man with a Perm is the song that plays by the Idols. And oh. <laughs> that's that's the name of the song. I, I, I looked it up. Nobody has a perm. Whatever. Never Fight a Man with a Perm. Yeah, that's funny. And that's when the speech begins quickly. You know, we, I want to hear your thoughts of the speech. And then what was our mindset going through the very end of this before Arthur, Johnny Dogs, and Tommy have their little powwow, which quickly turns into Tommy and Arthur in the house. It was very Hitler-esque, as we've said. We've beaten a dead horse on it, Not, no pun intended there. But 
it was very Hitler-esque, you know, him shouting from the hills, you know, talking shit about Churchill, talking shit about everyone that's going against them and, and, and whatnot, talking shit about the Jews. It was very Hitler-esque. It was very creepy. Paris Judah kept on getting shouted. The people were behind him. He has, he ha he's captivated the people and it was, I, I, I just got bad vibes. I texted you, bad vibes, bad vibes. I knew something bad was going to happen. Just, just, just like you said, it, it all clicked all at once and it was intense and I think it added to the intensity. It was very paralleled to the last episode with that really intense speech that he had at the party and he he knows how to speak in front of a crowd that's all that's that's all i could say it, it was it was a very well-spoken speech it was a speech that i feel like i've heard thousands of times in different documentaries it's just they're all the same you know how how we the people are going to take it back how winston churchill does not have the you know the the care for for us small town people and i mentioned he sounded german he did his accent even kind of it was probably on purpose because sam clavin is a fantastic actor and this might be his best role ever because you know we've seen him in hunger games but that's more of a comedic comedic but he killed it he's elite in this show he he shakes you you know like he, he's bone chilling his his delivery of his words and the way he speaks is like a true scary politician i can imagine living in that time and you know Imagine, you know, watching Adolf Hitler and watching all these, you know, tyrannical figures operate and speak to these crowds, and they literally cast people under their spell. And so all these individuals in this crowd, it was packed. Like, this was a packed house to watch this man speak. And he has him captivated, and it just shows how much power he has. And Tommy says it, you know, when he's talking to Jesse Eden, and she said that, he goes, that beast out there is just a beast. Like a horse, it is the rider who decides which direction it takes. And she goes, who's the rider? And he tells her, just go home. And I, it, and I, it was, that was a little smidgen of me that thought that maybe Tommy was going to put a stop to it. Because I, oh. I, I believed him. I was cast under Tommy's spell. I really believed that he had the, the courage and conviction to do all of this. I'll be honest. I, did, I knew that Barney was – there was no way. I just didn't think Barney could do it. I thought something was going to happen. He I hyped him up gonna, so much. Yeah, I just thought he was going to do too much coke or something. Obviously, you know, Finn fucks that up. And I, it was just – the breathing and the countdown. And I thought once it was blown, I thought Tommy would do something like Arthur. I mean, Oswald goes, all right, old, he goes, old, old man. I think it's time to get off the stage until they figure all that out. And the heart beating and the breathing. I had the shakes. I had the shakes in the first five minutes of the episode. I had the shakes in the last five minutes of the episode. And then Tommy starts yelling and he freaks out Arthur and he goes, it doesn't make sense. And this is another situation where we see Tommy not with control. And he goes, who? Who, 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 the man I can't defeat. And and then the grace pops up. And I guess, oof, I mean, I heard your best line, heard my best line. I guess we can go right into winners and losers here because it's probably going to be more of the same kind of talk. Yeah, I mean, I, my winner, should I go ahead with my winner? My winner is going to be Alfie Solomons because, first of all, he's alive. He knows that Cyril, his dog, is okay. He's God now of, of, of the people. He's resurrected. And he's kind of at peace with himself, you know. That he, you know, once you've already died, you know, you can't really be defeated. And so it was, a, it was, a, it was good to have him back. I'm glad that he's back. Hopefully, you know, season six we get a lot of him because he's just fucking amazing. He really makes, he makes those lull scenes amazing, and he's the only one who has that effect. So I'm gonna go with Alfie Solomon's as my winner for being back, for knowing his dog is okay, for getting a little money. Not really have to do a lot, and he's uh he's a god figure among the people. So I'm gonna go with Alfie. It's a good one, and we are the winners for getting to see Alfie once again, indeed, and getting indeed. and getting more of the Josh 
Alfie voice. It's back, baby. My winner is Gina. You know, I think Ooh. she I think she got what she wanted. I think she wanted Tommy to kind of spit on it. And I think she wanted Tommy to push Michael further away because the, the further away Michael got pushed, the more Gina can kind of cast her spell because Gina's probably the smartest person in that room aside from Thomas Shelby. And I don't really know. Um, I don't know. I don't really know if Tommy's as smart as he once was. His brain is kind of going. He's coughing a lot this season. They've, they've definitely made it more evident, his coughing. And then my honorable mention winner is Jeremiah because he gets a seat at the family <laughs> meeting. How about that out of fucking nowhere? Wonderful, man. Jeremiah Jeremiah's, Jeremiah's the homie, man. Good for him. He deserves it. He does a lot for this fan. So, But I'm going to go ahead and start with my loser here, and it is fucking Finn. Fucking, fucking Finn. Finn. I mean, it, he, he blew the whole season. Fucking he blew everything. Finn. He blew it. He dropped the ball. He, like, oh my god. He, he better he better put two and two together and tell Tommy ASAP so Tommy doesn't go fucking mad trying to figure out what, what went wrong. I just don't know. Like, I, it, Arthur called it. He literally told him right away in front of him. Scared the sh- scared the bejesus out of Billy. You saw it in his eye. That's, that's when I knew he was the black cat when he was kind of shaking in his boots when Arthur called him out. Like, he had, the, he had the face of someone who was guilty. And was getting called out and didn't know how to, you know, kind of lie about it. So it was obvious, Finn, and you fucked it all up. I just, I just, it's, it's one of those things again that could have been so damn avoided if he was just acting on his the, the littlest of shit, you know. Just this is why you haven't been involved to this point. Yep, and it came down to the final, literally the final like act, and it's just so annoying. And like all this planning, could, five more minutes, right. and Finn and and would have gone. It would have gone without it without a hitch. It's like all everything would have been great. All of this planning, all of this time, this whole season, you know, culminating into this one moment, and you just drop the ball like that and talk about family business when you know, even you know, even if even if it was someone who didn't mean shit, like 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 Billy, you know, who's just helping you fix fix the uh, the soccer matches, you don't say anything. You just don't do it. You only talk about family business with, with family, and everybody knows that. And so it was just so un, unnecessary and very avoidable, so that's why Finn is my loser. Yep, and it just shows more where Michael was wrong because he's like, Finn has waited his turn. He's earned it. No, he hasn't. Finn really hasn't done shit in the series as a whole. He really has not progressed much. Now, he wasn't allowed to at all, but then he blows it. And I just, I just thought about this. Could Billy... Be the head of the Billy Boys. That is, well, I never thought about that. I don't think he has like the ball. He seems like he's like, you know, very squeamish and very you know scared. I don't think he has. Well, you think he's the black cat? I'm saying, could they have intentionally, mm. like, like could they have c- kind of placed him into the site? Because it was it was Finn and, and Arthur that got him. You know that they recruited him. They're not the smartest, you know, tax in the box. That's a very good thought. I don't know, I mean, guys. Give us, give us, give us your thoughts on that bold prediction. That Daniel be could be onto something here. Ooh, I like that. I do like that. Yeah, that's that'd be interesting. My loser's Polly. Poor Polly. She's got to slap her her son, and then she's got to reverse everything. Quit the business that she ran while all the men were out in the war. She's got to quit, and now she's got to pick a side. I, I feel she looks bad. She didn't look good in that scene. She she kind of previews and predicts that one of them will die, which is the two people she loves the most. Tommy and, and Michael. I don't know. Poor Polly. 
poor Polly, man. She's had a rough go around in her life, and it just kind of sucks because you think about it back in season – wait, why am I forgetting? Season two is when we see Michael for the first time, right? Right, so we see – you know, go back in season two how happy she was to have him come into his life, and ever since she's come into his life, things have really gone downhill because she's been on – you know, she's had to get into the middle of things and pick sides, and she doesn't want to pick sides. And she's forced to all the time, so that's a good loser. She's just not looking great, and hopefully, you know, I I really do think that her you know, quitting the business and living her own life is really good for her because she doesn't need to be around anymore, man. She really doesn't. She's seen it all. She just needs to move on and live her own life, but I highly doubt that she actually ends up staying, you know, resigned. Well, now she's going to be a widow too, and that's just, that's just hard. It that's goes to that, hard. yeah, and, you know, Tommy has said many times for someone who's had such tough luck with men, and she, here we go again. Here she is. She's a romantic. Yep. She lost another another man that she was falling for. She might not have loved him, but she definitely liked him. So you know, it's very tough for her. Do you have any nitpicks? Because I've got a few. I mean, the, the the nitpick was once once again, you know, Barney kind of waiting way too damn long to fire the the shot. He well, it's on our, no, it was on Tommy because Tommy said when he takes out his watch, then Barney should count to ten. So Barney waited for Tommy to check his watch. Tommy waited for the Jews to show up. It was just all choreo- choreo- choreographed incorrectly yeah, in my mind. There's no reason to wait that long. I don't I, know. I, then I guess like my nit to pick is with the plan in general because Tommy is supposed to be so damn smart and so on his game, and he wasn't. He let like you know, he was scared for once. You know, he's like legitimately scared, and so it's just that's my nit to pick is the flaw in the plan. I'm not gonna, you know, it is a TV show, so things aren't supposed to go, you know, perfectly. But it just wasn't the best thought out planned. And then I told you earlier, my my nit to pick is not seeing enough Michael and Gina in this season. We saw so much in the beginning, and to only see about five to six minutes of actual dialogue between them. I mean, Gina had like, Gina had like thirty seconds of lines in this show. So that was my nit to pick because for such an important storyline, and we might be expanding the business and you know moving to. Uh, the states to have only that little amount of dialogue was kind of frustrating. I've got a few. I thought a couple scenes were wasted, and I'm, you know, that's just a, a super Peaky Blinders fan kind of thing to say because I know you've only got sixty minutes or sixty-four minutes or however long this episode was, but I just thought there were bits and pieces that we could have more. I don't know. There just wasn't like a like that scene with the nuns. Like, come on, I want more of that riveting stuff. Ooh, yeah, that yeah, and like and like and like the the. Uh... The landmine. Yes. Scene. Yeah. There weren't any of those. Even even like the ten minutes was just not enough for a season finale. Usually a season finale of Peaky Blinders, which I have this one as my least favorite season finale in the whole show. You know that's not saying that much because all the other ones are just so epic. It's just all the other ones are filled with so much of that. Right. And I mean, like, like we're also we're obviously speaking relatively to the show. So just because it's the worst, you know, season finale of the series does not mean that it was a bad episode or that the show At stinks. All. It's just that, you know, the show's so damn good that it it's put in perspective. It's, you know, it's the it's number 6 out of out of uh, it's number 5 out of 5. Out so. of 5. And Josh, no red right hand in like the I, whole and season. And what is up with that? I mean, I I'm very curious to see if there's like some copyright issues or 
So, There's no way. It's been. I mean, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds have been like their their no. Man. They, I mean, they've, like, they've probably come up a lot from the show. So I'm very curious. I would love to see. No, Steve it has to have just been a like a composer agreement. You know, like they just right. decided to go a different direction. And I don't get it. And, and a I, lot of fans. I'm, that's what makes yeah. fans the most mad. I'm kind of upset I'm about it. Like, but there's no reason that you know if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yep. And then lastly, just a little thing that I think could have been cool if they had taken him down with the Jews storming in, and Arthur were to be the one to like. You know, let's say everything went haywire. I'm just thinking like a a, a fan, a fan, a uh, fan yeah. plot. It would have been cool to have Arthur kill Oswald or Jimmy or something, and then had Arthur say like "Shalom, motherfucker." <laughs> that would have been funny. That been, I know. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, Tommy, do it. Arthur, do it. Like they have guns on them, and they're right there. I know that Tommy kept on mentioning how he didn't want to be linked to the killing, and it would have been obvious if he had pulled the gun, obviously, and so that's why he wanted Barney to do it because. It was more explainable that Barney could be the one to pull the trigger because he's just fucking insane. But it was frustrating because I thought that that was going to happen then. But, you know, Stephen Knight doesn't care about fan service. Stephen Knight does what he wants to do. And he has a direction for this show. And I have full faith in him that season six will come out firing. And it will be one of those seasons that every single episode will be a, a classic banger, 9.5 or up. Because he, this was a classic setup season. You know, as much as 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 we hate to talk about setup seasons, it was, and we haven't had that. And I think that it's for a purpose, and I still have faith in him. Now, season six is setting up season seven. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna lose my shit. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and say that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan. And Anthony Byrne is gonna direct the next. They're already starting it, and he told GQ, "quote We're taking it in a different direction while also getting back to what was established in the first series." We're getting back to Tommy Shelby's psyche, the darkness of his head, his soul, his heart. This new series is about returning to the darkness of a man's soul and what he's lost in the time that it has taken him to achieve everything he values. That's going to be intense. So, that, I mean, that could be good. Returning to the darkness of a man's soul. And he says, I'm reading the scripts at the moment, which Stephen is writing. He starts in early November. So that's that's not bad. They're going to start shooting early next year, so it should... I mean, it should be it should be ready by you know August August September October. No, it's it's perfect. I mean, it's going to be a great it's going to be a great season. It's going to be dark. I mean, we already see what's happening at the at the end of this season with him. He has the gun to his head, and obviously he's not going to die. I don't think so. But he's getting close, man. He's getting very close, and it was a wild ride this season, and. We're very, very, very ready to see what happens next. We are so happy that you, the thousands of you guys in UK and Australia, all around the, the world, listen to us. It's so cool like, to have these guys, the feedback. We love you everything. guys, man. Josh Seriously. and I, we're doing this just for fun. I mean, we are literally just doing it for fun, and we are having so much fun with you guys. We're going to try to do full you know, rewatch outlines for season five that include that little spoiler section at the end, like I mentioned, for people watching on Netflix or rewatching it so that we can talk about the early parts of the season. You guys could send us your spoiler-filled free feedbacks so that we can really get through season five, and that'll probably come out sometime in October. So until then, send us your feedback. We're going to continue right now. Josh and I are doing our rewatch seasons three, four, and and, and then going to do five once it comes out on Netflix on October 4th. So send us your stuff on Facebook at facebook.com slash Peaky Podcast. On Twitter at by order of Peaky. Email us. We've had a ton of emails. We've got our, our fantastic emailer, Christine, who just sent us an email about season two, which we're going to read about in our season three recaps. So email us at bootpeakyblinders at gmail.com. We've had a blast with you guys for season five. He's Josh. I'm Daniel. 
we binge, so you don't have to. Past the square, past the bridge, past the mills, past the stacks. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. 